0: Hello, I'm Rabbi Iggy, and welcome to Tattoos and Torah. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tattoos and Torah. I'm Rabbi Iggy out of the Chuva Center. Uh, our guest today, I'm very excited. This is my first uh, podcast three way. <laughs> Uh, we have Phil and Liz with us today, uh, who are um, the hosts of Unhinged and Bumbled Up podcast, which is a phenomenal podcast that deals with dating, the troubles of dating, the successes of dating, the pitfalls of dating, the advice of dating, uh, but also relationships. I uh, was just listening uh, not too long ago about uh, the expert in, uh, the coach in um helping people to not be in codependence relationships. And I thought that was fascinating. Uh, I didn't know there was a coach for that, but now there is. Um, so, uh, Phil Phil, and Liz, welcome to the podcast. Thank, thank you thank
1: very you. much for having us, Ziggy. It's, it's amazing <laughs> to be here. Our first podcast that we're on that's not our own. So, yeah, excited. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh,
0: here's for first. And, and also, right, so like they are in uh, Nottingham, right? that's right, um, nottingham the uk so right, which is very far from um from New well not very far but it's far from new york
1: yeah it's a good um, job there's remote recording or otherwise we we, we wouldn't have been able to do with this with the plane situation at the that's, moment that's right that's
0: right you know it, you know it is quite fascinating because i think right so like that just to to start us off right Is sort of that here we are um you know sort of recording from three different places right so like and and technology that has made it so—I uh, guess we'll talk about both easy and difficult. But right, things that sort of are were really, as I was growing up, pure, pure, pure science fiction. Right to see somebody and to talk on camera at the same time while recording. I mean, this is <laughs> the future so is trinchy. here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: So for you know for uh for those of course, uh, my listeners who, who don't know uh, who you are, how did you get about to even want to discuss, right, your, your dating life, your, you know, your successes, your failures um, on a podcast? Like, what made you be like, oh, you know what? I need to talk to the whole world about my dating life. <laughs> so, I think for me,
1: what it was is uh, the pandemic really put things into perspective for me with the walking dates, how, awful they were and I've just had one bad date after another bad date after another bad date after getting out of a a long long-term relationship and everything just changed so I thought to myself do you know what I'll start on Instagram so I can just tell everybody all about it and then two days into the Instagram I was like listen to a few podcasts and I was like I could do this I have no clue what I'm doing but I, I'm sure I could do this and then I uh, started following loads of different accounts. And I came across my date free year, which is Liz. And she was my first guest, but she can explain more about where her journey began and how she got here, how she got onto the podcast and how how she uh, became the person that keeps me reined in each week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a big job, but somebody's got to do it. Um, so I, uh, I started my date-free year in February. So I had come out of a long-term relationship last summer, uh, started dating, was vaguely horrified at the experience, to be honest. After having had a big break from it, and realised largely to do with reasons of a um, kind of mental health and well-being, that dating for me was just not a good not a good thing it was not working for me um, and I made the decision to just take a total break from dating for a year just not even just dating kind of you know getting into that cycle of flirting and setting something up and that whole rigmarole I just thought um, maybe I'll just opt out for a year not be trying to find somebody and just spend that time and invest that time on myself uh, so I started my date for a year which is a blog and an Instagram account and Phil invited me on to talk about the project uh, on the podcast and I think I really started the the blog as a journal for myself to just sort of work through my own thoughts and my own learnings as I went through the date for a year. Um, But what we have found both from that and from the podcast is, you know, when we started doing the podcast together. We didn't know if anyone would listen to it, if anyone would find it interesting, if it would just be like us and our mums. But what we found is that we've had so much feedback from people saying that it resonates with them, that they have things in common. And even people who maybe don't have on the surface level much in common with filari, who were both two white heterosexual people, we found actually people from a wide range of backgrounds and life experiences have found topics that they resonate with, um, and that the there seems to be a lot of shared experience in dating and that people have said really that it's helped them to kind of laugh about it because it can feel really quite um, draining. And when you are looking for a partner, that feels like a very big deal. Whereas we kind of are trying to represent the lighter side of dating and and present a kind of uh, refreshingly irreverent sort of look at the experience.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think that's... um... I think that's fascinating because I think for a lot of people, right, that dating represents this balance, right? It is very hard to, to strike on one hand, right? Put your best foot forward and all that. And, and on the other hand, you're not really being yourself, but you should be yourself. But if you're you, too much of yourself, right, then that's too much. And it's too, too, too much too f- quickly too, right. And it's, and it is this constant, uh, play of hiding and and right of covering and revealing and covering and revealing, um, and um, and really can be very inauthentic and I think could be very um, lonely. I think a lot of people want to depict it as like, oh, having fun, but fundamentally, right, so like meeting new people and talking about yourself and right, it, like that can really bring out all the worst demons in each of us.
2: I think as well, you, in the process of dating, you're continually exposing yourself to the possibility of rejection. Right. And that is quite a brave thing to be willing to do. It's for me, it feels a bit like, you know, when you're looking for a new job, that the process of looking for a new job is is mentally exhausting because you're having to constantly go, what do I want to do? Having to try and represent yourself, as you say, in the best possible way and potentially, weather the knockbacks but usually when you're doing that it's for a fixed period right and then you get a new job right. you settle in great whereas dating for many people is something that is ongoing for them for for years and you're continually putting yourself in a situation where you're like here's me I hope you like right. it. And people do or they don't. But that kind right. of continual right. cycle of possible rejection or even fear of rejection or actual rejection is can be very mentally demanding. And you have to be yeah, I think, right. quite a strong person to get through that in one piece.
1: Yeah. And it's like you mentioned with technology. Obviously, technology come a long way. But dating apps, dating apps, they can be a very, very lonely place because it's the monotony it's the continuous swiping swiping hoping hoping then you get a match then it's it's looking at your phone and you're like what do i say where do i start where do i begin and it's like you said with people not giving too much of themselves it's like we have discussed about what you say what you talk about because we we feel sometimes people go too much too quick and let everybody know everything about them straight away and then what happens is people tend to turn around and like whoa this is too much and then you end up getting ghosted which is a right. dating term which basically means that they disappear they block you delete
0: yeah. you off everything so yeah. i think that's a life term I, you know i feel that happens at work <laughs> i feel that happens in dating i feel it happens with friends i feel right i don't know if, if uh if that's the same in in the UK, but here uh, we use the term "left on red," right? Yes, so mm-hmm. like right. And I have a friend who was like, "Why did you leave me on red?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "Well, you didn't respond to my text." And I'm like, "Like, <laughs> and this is a friend, right?" So like, I'm like, dude, like, you know, you gotta you, you gotta relax, right? So I'm like, I'm not on 24 seven, but yeah. you know. And then of course there's the gaslighting, right? So mm-hmm. like the whole mm-hmm. element around it.
2: I, I think. Also- uh, I think
0: what? Yeah. Go on, uh, answer, sorry.
2: Something that comes up a little bit in the on the podcast is about different attachment styles as well, and we have um, mm-hmm. a guest coming on to talk about attachment styles. But um for example, I'm quite an avoidant person. Like, I really right. like my own space. I have like, I- if anyone is too keen, I will literally run a mile. I'm like. don't don't encroach on my on my life like keep your distance and then there are other people who have maybe more a more anxious kind of attachment style who are really kind of um reach out kind of people they're really keen to establish a connection they they um want to connect and find ways to connect and create these connections and and I think that's been something that's really interesting about dating is is the push pull between those two types of people who by some quirk always seemed seemed to end up partnered with each other And this constant thing about wanting to be show that you're interested, but not be too keen. And then if one person is too keen, what impact that has on the other person and this, this continually trying, you know, it's like the old three day rule, which I don't think really exists anymore about, you know, when do you say that you want another date, Or how often do you message somebody without making them feel suffocated, but also showing them that you're interested?
1: then you have the secure attachment style which is which is me. <laughs> yes. No. Um, yeah, um which basically yeah, is it, it's, it's you secure in what happens if somebody doesn't message you back it's like okay so be it. Um but we we also talk a lot about boundaries don't we and setting boundaries and obviously with your friend going why haven't you messaged me back? It's like, whoa, I've got a life. I don't have to message you back straight away. I, I had a look, yeah. I will get back to you when I can. And I feel the the problem is we are 24 seven these days. It's right. like we right. are going at a million miles an hour with work, life, everything. Amazon's instantaneous. You get them delivered next day. You can right. get access to any piece of knowledge you want. So why why isn't dating that way? And that's what a lot of people are thinking. They're thinking, why isn't dating instantaneously? Uh but what we've discovered is actually through through a few facts that we've had a look at, the slower and longer you take the dating process, the more likely it's going to succeed. So it's one part of mm-hmm. our life that we need to slow down a bit in, I think.
0: Interesting. Um very interesting about it. Because right, so like it, it... It of course follows the work that we do which is not about dating at all which is right so that you have to invest in something it has to take action right if, if it's too quick then it won't last right it's just the sustainability has day in and day out and 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 yes no, I, i'm also in the secure thing so uh if you like i had a, a friend right who uh we had a plan they flaked uh we had another plan also again flake i mean i say flake but like they they something came up that morning or whatever, that's it. And they're like, I'm not interested in making a plan again. Yeah. And they're like, well, what, and I'm like, I just, I, <laughs> you know, like it's just not, um, but, but what is, it, what is uh, interesting me in this? And, and one of the things that was interesting uh, in that sort of kind of uh, Venn diagram of the work that we do is, do you find there to be um, more people who are lonely more people who are, you know, having trouble connecting, more people who are try- having trouble finding partnerships um, than uh, definitely before whatever during the pandemic. But when we, if you, if you were to kind of comment on the state of loneliness, at least within your own sort of like, you know, around community, around you guys, like what would, what does that look like?
2: Well, I think there's something for me in, um, cultural and social conditioning which has taught us that being in a couple is the right way of being mm. and is the desirable status of things and i i think a lot of feelings of loneliness are actually connected to this social ideal that you should be partnered up and married and and whatever and we've kind of um don't have a lot of respect for people who are a solo unit you know it's kind of plus one culture um and i think that sometimes we we perceive loneliness because we perceive being solitary as a problem Mm. Um, and I think that's part of it I think uh, obviously the the world of technology has influenced loneliness because you're simultaneously always connected to everyone but sort of also I think it's meant that we lose a lot of the significant connection so for example you're you know you're scrolling on Instagram you have access to hundreds of people right but but they're not really very meaningful connections and likewise you see that when people spend time with their with their actual loved ones they might spend half of that time on their phone anyway so not being even really present when there is the opportunity for meaningful connections and i do my personal view is that that has has got worse with the with the internet and with the advent of social media is that it's created quantity rather than quality of connections. And that's very much how how Phil and I feel about dating apps. You have this catalogue of, of people at your fingertips, but it's much harder, it seems, to actually find somebody that you have a true connection with.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um on that, um as you mentioned the pandemic, what we found has come out of the pandemic is because people have been locked down, people have been in their houses turbo relationships as they're called they've been created where people speed uh to a relationship they're literally in two weeks here's the keys to my house let's move in together let's do this and so they can spend a lockdown with somebody so um the lockdown and quarantine hasn't helped this at all because it's put two people together really quickly and my opinion Quite a lot of those aren't going to work out once everything gets back to normal over here because you don't know whether somebody goes to football matches every weekend, goes drinking out with their mates every weekend, whether they've got a hobby that they love doing all the time. Because all that you've all that's happened is you've been in that house with that one person for all of this time and you've you've skipped the dating part you've skipped the getting to know each other part because you've literally come together to conquer the loneliness of lockdown
2: so you've seen you've seen the netflix and chill version of them but you haven't seen the drunk at a wedding or arguing with somebody in the bank versions of them (laughs) right Right? and how can you know if you like somebody if you haven't seen all those things
0: no (laughs) I, I mean, I feel – I don't know if you agree, but I feel that sort of like in general as a society, we sort of j- – we're jumping to that. We're jumping to the ever after, like you said, right? We're, we're not investing in right, – by trying to figure out who the other person is, but also trying to figure out who we are, right? So like I, I feel like so much of dating is is focused on the other person, finding out how they are, how they are with their friends. But like but so much of dating seems to me have has a lot of work on how I am towards mm-hmm. – towards that and and we tend to skip that
1: yeah and well that's I'll, I'll let you go first
2: <laughs> that's really what the date for a year is about is is investing and in getting to know myself better um becoming completely comfortable with just being in my own company being in my own life not relying on other people's attention or validation or or, and kind of becoming secure and comfortable as a solo unit so that if later down the line I decide to team up with somebody, that's a choice, not a necessity, and I'm hopefully the most rounded and developed person that I can be in order to bring that to a relationship because, you know, everybody has stuff, right? Everybody has some kind of, you know, issues or trauma or stuff, that the stuff that they're hopefully working on. But I feel like a lot of the time people partner up to try and um, fill those um, wounds in each other. And actually, right. I think there's such an important piece, as you say, in doing the work on yourself in understanding yourself and understanding what you want and how you like to spend your time and creating a life that you really love. So that if you meet somebody, you're sharing that you're not kind of going, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me?
1: yeah we we say that you know you need to be happy within yourself you know uh we've we've got a uh, igtv and we talk about a lot about uh being a whole not being because when you get with someone the the society says oh my other half and i think of it as a circle when really uh if, if that half breaks up, that circle breaks up, you are a half again, and they're a half. And what we try and say is try and make yourself as whole as possible. You're not going to be completely whole because, like Liz says, everybody's got things they're continuously working on. So if you work on yourself and become as whole as possible, then you meet somebody who is whole as possible. Two wholes are better than two halves. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because um, um, in the ancient traditions and the old traditions, both if you look at Plato and Socrates and if you look at the Bible, right, sort of uh, the two first chapters of the Bible um, describe two different stories. In one, they are creating as one person and the other one they're creating as man and then woman. But, but if we're looking spiritually, right, which is most of the work we do, right, if you're looking spiritually at, at that, um, there is no other half. There is just the partner the things that you look at, right? But this whole idea of the half is kind of a Western myth around sort of like, right? So sort of completing things that are unholy in you. And and like you both said, there is there is no chance to do that, right? Not to, to, to quote the great RuPaul, right? If you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Love that show, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and in that sense, I think that there's, right? It, it, it's funny because it's true because the essence of self-love has to come before we are able to express any love to somebody else. Yeah, definitely. 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 And also to accept the love of somebody else. Right. I think mm-hmm. that right many times you're not able to accept the love of somebody else if you don't love yourself because you don't recognize it.
2: Yeah, no. I think then and then you get into cycles of of self-sabotage and relationship sabotage because um, uh, there's an amazing um, book, The Big Leap. It's one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. Um about your you know you have a certain level of of tolerance about what you think you are capable of you know what good things you're capable of having in your life and if you start to kind of move beyond that and too many kind of good things show themselves up your your brain will almost find a way to ruin it to take you back into the comfort zone and I've definitely seen that myself in past relationships um that you know you you kind of almost create the same cycles of, of drama because you're uncomfortable with things going well. And I think that that's such a big risk. Um, and that the impact it can have on the other person can't be downplayed as well. Like if you're working through your own stuff in relationship with somebody else, they're kind of being battered by what you've got going on. And, and I think that that's really important to recognize, not just the impact on you, it's also the impact that you're having on the other person.
0: Right. Right. And that's always true.
2: Yeah. In any form like even of relationship. In, even in the,
0: best, even in the yeah. best right even in the best relationships you the impact that you have right because even if you love yourself and everything else there's stuff that you bring your own trauma your own past your own mm-hmm. your own insecurities your own anxieties right it's sort of as you move along And yeah. it, and it's
2: also true sorry in, in other types of relationships not just romantic relationships also yeah. friendships yeah. and so on but because we are often so quick to rush into a romantic relationship in a way that we wouldn't with a friendship and kind of abandon ourselves in the process, that seems to be mm. really amplified.
1: Yeah, and what we've got to realise in relationships there are always going to be peaks and troughs. There is right. never going to be this high life forever and everything right. like that. There is there's always going to be arguments. There's always going to be things like that. It's it's whether that you can work through those arguments together. You can come to a uh, conclusion to that argument and basically go, right, this this is how we can solve it and work as a team, you know, because um, I feel quite a lot of the time in relationships, you've got two people that are pushing together and it's like, right. who can push the hardest, who can push, you know, and it, it just doesn't work. So, you know, it's it's all about teamwork and being those two holes coming together to be two holes. Yeah. Right. So. right.
2: And I agree that the more you respect yourself, um, and and you know, se- self love is a is a difficult concept, and as something I'm very much still working on. But I think I've, I feel slightly more comfortable with the concept of self respect, and that in that by developing self respect and being clear about what is and is not okay with you, and what behaviour you do and do not tolerate from other people, that's so important in in relationships and and in dating because the uh, overstepping of boundaries and and disrespect can be so subtle and so um, inconspicuous that it can kind of creep in so easily and, and amplify itself that being really clear about the respect that you have for yourself and what you are and aren't willing to tolerate. Uh, and I also think that having a good awareness of that also helps you treat other people with more respect mm-hmm. and be a more respectful partner. Mm-hmm. But I don't no, think I, I, you can yeah. get there until you have the fundamental respect for yourself.
0: I, I, I actually think that sort of that ninety-nine point nine percent, if not a hundred percent, all the uh disrespect is never done upfront. Nobody's gonna say like, you know, like, you know what, I hate you. I'm like, oh, you don't like this? Here we go. Right? It's almost always right in a passive aggressive way, or in subtle ways, or in ways that sort of that 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 are that require us to constantly check in with ourselves. Right. And and uh, you know, at the center, we often talk about how uh, if you want to have self-respect, you have to do respectful things. If you want to have self-esteem, you have to do esteemable things, and and same thing with with the self-love, right? It's the ability to allow yourself to become the best version of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of right. Self-love is not about right, uh, you know. I'll have a spa day or whatever, right? Or self-care, mm-hmm. or then self-love is not like you know the affirmation, "I love myself, I'm great." Although there's there's, but but I think that um. And I think that's that's one of the interesting things about people who are trying to find other things is, is that we are so accustomed to um, asking ourselves questions like, why am I not invited? Why does nobody love me? Why does nobody like me? Why does nobody want a second date? What's wrong with me? And I think if we ask that question, our brain is constantly uh, uh it work at finding answers to that question. So you'll find a pattern that says, "I'm too fat, I'm too tall, I'm too this, I'm too stupid, I'm too right? whatever it is, right?" But, but if you ask, start asking the other side question. If you start asking yourself, like, "How am I great? How am I intelligent? How am I capable? How am I, you know, beautiful?" Right? Um, often with clients, I, I I will work with them and say, like, "Do this for a week before you leave the house in front of the mirror. Ask yourself." What is beautiful about me? What is great about me? And what is amazing is that the brain will start answering that question and you'll start to find a pattern that is way different.
1: Yeah, because what we try and push is positivity because your brain works by uh, basically the more it thinks, the more it attracts. I believe in a lot of... um, laws of attraction positive energy attracts positive energy and it's it's like a spiral when you start to think negatively and ask the wrong questions you go down that spiral down that spiral and you you your brain searches for negative things so this is why we try and say keep positive keep positive in what you say what you do and do you know what if if somebody ghosts you if someone does this they're not right for you you know it's 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 nothing to do with you as a person. It's the fact that it's it's them, and they've gone. That see you later, you know, and yeah, it just it just works that way of positivity, and Mm -hmm. you know, you try and put a spin on things, basically. Spoken like a secure
0: person, but like.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think as well, there's the fundamental fact is that you can't affect how other people behave, and -hmm. in the dating world, in particular, some people will behave. In a way that you don't like, or that you find right. to be, you know, um, grating to say the least. What you can control is what you show up for. Mm-hmm. So I really loved your example about, you know, you have a friend they they flake on plans twice. You don't make another plan with them because why are you going to keep showing up for the same behavior? And by doing that, you're saying it's okay for you to do this. And so for me, this comes back to what we said about boundaries. Boundaries for me aren't about saying. You can't do that to me. You can't treat me that way. Boundaries about saying I'm not showing up for this anymore. Yeah, not okay. This is what I expect, and this is what I won't won't show up for.
1: Yeah, because time is the most valuable commodity. You can't buy more time. You can't exchange it for anything else. Your time is the most valuable commodity. So don't waste it on people. Uh, Well, don't give it to people that are going to waste it and just throw it away.
0: Right. Right. We. We. uh, You know. I often talk about sort of that. Sort of. It's time and attention. Yeah, that sort of that, that right sort of. It's not just the time I give, but my attention, right? If I if I give you an atten- the attention, if that's stolen from me, then I can never give it back, right? And 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 we have uh, an old teaching in our, in the spiritual text that we use the Talmud that says that um, if you have no intention to buy anything, you're not allowed to go into a store and be like, oh, how much is this or what is this or what is-? You know, you're not allowed to do this because if you do that, you've stolen something that you can't repay. And it's worse that if you've actually stolen somebody some and because if I go to your room and I'm like, "Oh, I like this bottle," and you steal it, you can return that bottle. But if I've stolen your attention, right? And and I think about this in terms of dating a lot or, or relationships, like you said, friendships, whatever. If I say I'm going to call you, and 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 I think we've all remember that converse, that that feeling, right, of like waiting by the phone or or looking for the text that the heartache, even though you may say, oh, get over it, that little moment is so, um the dignity of it, the indignity of it is so uh, hurting that they've stolen something that they can never bring back, right? It's one more chip is like, oh, people are shit, <laughs> which people are, but <laughs> but but in general, right? Um, yeah. I, and I find that so important for everybody to realize.
2: But I think that's beautiful because that is the constant experience of dating that is what dating right. is is right. you get your expectations up you're looking forward to something it doesn't materialize or it does and it's rubbish when it when it comes right <laughs> and there's constant feeling of excitement disappointment excitement disappointing i think that is why dating can be so mentally challenging is right. because you're on this continual roller coaster of hoping and then something doesn't happen and and it's so difficult to explain to anyone because. I think for a lot of people, it's like, well, they didn't call like, so what you were like, get on with your life kind of thing. But they they don't realise that even despite your best attempts, you you were waiting by the phone, or you were checking your phone, or you were thinking, Oh, I
0: wanted them to right? Yeah, exactly. And
2: that, and the the hope and the expectation and the the emotional impact of the disappointment is is disproportionate to the inconvenience of them not having called you.
1: So I wasn't always secure uh i didn't always i used to overthink everything so when someone said call you i'll call you later it got to the point where i was like what's later mean when's later like i was continuously looking at my phone now <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like shall i message them shall i not and then if you message them it's like oh well i said later and then if they and it used to play on in my head like over and over and over and if it got to them the night they didn't message then it was like, or call i was like oh, what have I done? Have I done something wrong? And I could say it's this build-up. And then I started to work on myself and became more secure on myself. And if someone says, I'll call you later, it's just like, okay, I'll wait for the phone call then. You know, I'll, I'll do everything else right. that I need to do, but if that phone call comes, so be it. If it doesn't, right. then yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I'm, the one that's, I'm the one that's like, okay, I'll stick to my end of the bargain if you call, I'll pick up. If right. you don't stick to your end of the bargain, then that, that's that's your problem it's not mine
0: so how did you so right so like we know right les you're in the in the uh, uh dating hiatus which i love um phil so how, how did you work on it right what did you do to say like you know what this is this is toxic for me i, I can't do this right i need to be more secure
1: so um it took a while it, my last relationship two and a half years ago ended and I got back into that where I needed somebody and then I took a break and then um I found myself going through that whole cycle again and I actually my mum uh is um basically training to be a hypnotherapist mm-hmm. uh, in regression therapy so mm-hmm. um she did a session on me and uh it turned out that what happened was um my regression my childhood memories that my subconscious it kept telling me that i needed love i needed to find someone i needed to seek love i needed to do whatever i can to get love and that was all down to my father who left at 2 uh mm-hmm. he left age of 2 and um that that stuck in because of certain scenes that happened and i did 21 days of listening to this um this hypnosis basically and it just made me so much more secure in myself. And that that feeling of being loved, kind of, that's that's gone. I don't need that anymore or don't crave it. So, Whereas before, I was doing anything possible to try and keep hold of that love from somebody. Mm-hmm. So I would basically do whatever they wanted. I would be like, go out my way to get something to, you know, if there was an argument, it'd always be, Oh, I did wrong. It was my fault. I'm sorry. What can I do to make it right? And yeah, I feel that helped a lot. And then obviously working on myself, listening well, doing this podcast, that helped me a lot because it opened so many doors to so many different people that have so much knowledge and experience that you look at it and you're like, wow. Why why didn't I do this sooner? I would have been in such a better place like I am now if I did this sooner. But you know, it's it's been a great journey. And yeah, I, I love every minute of it.
0: <laughs> and Liz, are you finding it that this experience of not dating as uh as fulfilling as as I guess you'd hoped it to be?
2: Yeah. I mean it's different to how I I expected it to be. I didn't expect to be doing a podcast about dating, for example. Um but it's been really um quite transformative because I think a lot of um the quirks of dating are partly just based on habit you know the habit Mm of of having somebody who you're texting the habit of you know organizing your calendar around dates and and it's really helped me to to break a lot of those habits and I and I feel there's the most powerful thing for me is to have your own stuff going on in in a good way you know have your own projects have your own stuff you're excited about in your life have your own plan so I planned a trip by myself early next year I'm going to go to Asia for a, a month uh you know we have mm. podcasts. podcast I've I live by myself and I've been really investing in making my home beautiful and gardening and and I feel like that investing in your own life and really getting very comfortable so I when I left my relationship I was like oh what do I like to eat because I know what we like to eat but I don't know what I I like to eat and what you know how do I want to spend a weekend when it's not influenced by somebody else's opinions and choices and I feel like the the taking a break from dating has been most powerful because I've kind of been able to shut off the noise of everybody else's opinion and focus on my own voice on my own desires on my own interests um so, yeah, it's been really helpful. I'm about four and a half months in so far. So you've still got a way to go.
0: Um, what do you like to eat? <laughs>
2: <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, I would have said that I used to like that I like to cook. Right. Turns out I don't like cooking for one. I only like <laughs> cooking when somebody else is going to tell me how delicious it is. Right. So I eat fish cakes about four times a week because I'm like it in the oven. <laughs> fish cakes are the cooking for one go to.
0: You, you know, that's, that's fascinating. I find that absolutely fascinating, right? So like here, I thought, uh, uh, I thought I liked to cook. But what I what you said, what I really like is somebody else to tell me how much they love the food that I make. Yeah. Right? And so that's it's not really different.
2: Yeah. And I think, well, that's, that's highlighted by the pandemic as well. Because what I think what I like is entertaining, right? But mm-hmm. that's not really been possible and so it's it's really helped yeah drill down into what what is the thing that I actually like because maybe it's not what you think it is
0: you know I mean that that dovetails with with a lot of the work where we do around with our clients which is um to find this what I call inventory right so like what is the inventory like what do you have a favorite poem if you don't why not right like do you know it by heart what is your favorite meal right what is your favorite color what do you like to do what makes you feel Uh, inspired what elates you what doesn't right because i think that then when when you do have low moments in your life right if you know that you feel better after let's say i walk by the beach right and you feel down and you choose to not walk by the beach now you're now you're responsible for your own mood Mm yeah
2: 100 and I have had quite a lot of therapy. It's been excellent. I would highly recommend it. But one of the things that I worked on with my therapist is about um, what he called my um, rights and permissions for thriving. So essentially creating a, a exactly what you said, a catalogue of things that I know bring out the best in me. Uh, and also kind of conversely, a catalogue of, of conditions under which I know leave me feeling drained stressed frustrated um as a for example i know that i that something that is very important to me is to have a a home that is like a sanctuary that is clean and calm and is somewhere for me to retreat to as an introvert Um, and i feel like that that level of knowing what bring what helps you to thrive versus what doesn't really helps you understand who you are in a relationship so for example my previous relationship um as i said deteriorated last summer and i would have said that it was you know mainly the relationship itself that had deteriorated but we were renovating a house and it was chaos it was going rather slowly it was a fairly um you know not a calm and restful environment to be in and so doing this work on understanding what helps me to thrive and what doesn't has made me go oh well the the house situation was a very strong contributor in how stressed and drained I was feeling. And then I was probably not bringing my best self to the relationship. And that doesn't mean that the relationship would have survived if we'd lived in a different house. But it does help you take responsibility for the things that you can take responsibility for. And I would know right. in a future relationship, not to compromise on that thing.
0: Right. By the way, that has been well researched renovating a house together right is one of the (laughs) biggest contributors to divorce this has been well well researched so absolutely uh how about you phil i mean first of all i guess what what's your favorite food (laughs) (laughs) thanks for asking um my favorite food
1: i like pizza because pizza you can change the toppings it's like it doesn't have to be the same you know so you can mix it up a bit um and yeah what what you were saying that you speak to the center about that's a lot of the questions that you tend to ask or get asked on dating apps like mm-hmm. what's your favorite color what's your favorite food and um, and things like that so yeah i mean um yeah i i think i'm still discovering myself and i'm still discovering what i like to do i really like kayaking i got into that through the pandemic and wow. find that peaceful relaxing and just just my place that i can go so Hmm.
0: Yeah, it feels very American. You like pizza and kayak. You know? <laughs> you're like, you're like, that's
1: like you know, there is a funny story um, about me traveling to America for a first date. By the way, that's a one of our episodes. For a first
0: date, first date, yes. Wow. <laughs> Went to San Diego. You, you really yeah. would do anything for somebody to <laughs> tell you they love you. <laughs> like, that was back <laughs> then. Yes, that might have been the answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, the. Um, so, so the, right, this 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 finding out about yourself, right? I think is is interesting. One of the things I read a long time ago. I don't know. Uh, I would love to hear sort of your thoughts. Is sort of that um, it, it's uh, that it's not advised in relationships, right? To to say, oh, I like I don't know tennis. Come on, let's go play tennis. Or I like the other side. Like I like you know I don't know live music. Let's go live music. But to sort of to find things that both of you do not have in common or not showing them their place or that place in terms of their interest, but sort of to try something new together, right? You both have never done pottery, let's do pottery together because then you have a new experience that you can share together. Do you find that something that sort of...
1: That's a very interesting concept that I've never never heard before because how I normally look at it is you find somebody with at least one interest the same as yours and then you do that but finding somebody and doing something totally different
0: right because then I'm, you both come to it from this from from your own thing and you can discuss what you've experienced yeah you know in, in that no. sense um
2: and i think there's I, something definitely something bonding about trying and right. really th- both being out of your comfort zone but i also think something that happens in certainly relationships I've been in is you kind of end up thinking that you have to do everything together and that if one person's interested in something the other person has to also be interested in it I don't it's not for me that's not really true like I I like having things that are just mine I don't want to necessarily share all of those things or need to like there are some things I like doing by myself there are some things I like doing with friends and I don't need a partner to to take an interest in those things I need them to support the fact that I want to do those things, um, but not necessarily engage with them. I mean, there are obvious practical uh, considerations, like I used to be married a very long time ago. And the the chap I was married to really liked playing risk, you know, the board game.
0: So he
2: would invite a load of friends around and have this massive game of risk. We lived in a very, very small one bedroom flat. And it was quite hard to like leave him to the risk tournament without right. either having to go out or be some way involved. But I think being willing to support each other's interests, even if right. those interests are separate, is is really important. But I love the idea of discovering a new thing together and, and being novices together.
0: Yeah. Um, do you know about the right the 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 um, the New York Times are put this article many many years ago and so I've read it again about this research this uh professor research this sort of created the 36 questions to make people fall in yes. love do you know about this
1: yep we ask right. a we've got a, a part on our instagram which we have keep the conversation going so each week we ask one of those questions to basically keep the conversation going and so people can then ask people they're talking mm. to to see what the responses are so
0: what i find fascinating about it and and what is interesting again, in terms of this intersection between all our work is the ability to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? The ability to, to um, not engage in what I call spiritual bypassing, that it's not like, Oh, I'm always positive. Everything's great. Love and light and compassion, eat, pray, love, right. But sort of to to acknowledge that love and true spirituality comes with with challenges and hardship and trauma. And, so, and to be able to be open and vulnerable about it. Um, presumably, I assume there's sort of a lot of people who come who, for you, to you guys for advice or, or, or in dating in general, right? So like are afraid to be vulnerable, afraid to not show their best self, are afraid to cry or whatever, right? Whether it is, you know, from the masculine side of men or from the right over whatever the other fi- the other side would be, Um how do you, where do you fall on this sort of uh, vulnerability space in terms of sort of both the dating and the relationships?
2: Mm, it's such an interesting question. I I think it, it, comes, it comes back to what you believe about love. So do you believe that you fall in love by thinking that somebody is amazing in all ways, or do you fall in love because you reach a, Point of very beautiful sharing and acceptance, and the partnership of sharing and acceptance is what creates love. So, if you fundamentally believe that in order to be loved, you have to fulfill a certain number of criteria and be, you know, gorgeous and funny and charismatic and do that all the time, then you you probably a going to feel like you can't really live up to that, and that will become quite exhausting. but but B, will be continually sort of auditioning for everybody else's Mm -hmm. approval and and love. Whereas if you fundamentally believe that love is just about sharing and acceptance, then you come toward a relationship or toward dating from a place of being willing to share. And that doesn't mean oversharing, you know, it doesn't mean telling somebody a life story and all of your, you know, all of your particulars straight off the bat. But I think if you fundamentally believe that the more you share of yourself the more opportunity you give somebody to accept you and likewise for their sharing then it it stops it being this like interview or audition process Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah I think um like you're saying everybody thinking of that expectation that you have to be perfect all the time now first things first perfect is it doesn't boring. exist. Well, it, it only exists to the person that's looking at you. You know, it, perfect could, to you could be different to perfect to me. I could look at a chair and go, that's perfect. You can go, no, not for me. Um, so the problem is, if you are always at this level or always think you have to be really high up and perfect all the time, that will become normal. That will become the normal state. And when something, when you can't keep that up anymore, You will drop lower than low. So this is the thing. You don't have to work up up here all the time. You just basically keep your level that you're used to. You don't have to put on the mask. You don't have to put on the facade. Because if you do that, you will drop a lot further when things aren't going Well, I think as well
2: that that's linked to the the concept of of rejection and I remember um one of my earliest conversations with Phil we had when we first started talking about the podcast we had this evening where we must have sent each other over a hundred voice notes it was bananas but um one of the things I remember Phil saying which really really stuck with me if we were talking about why typically this is a, a gender um generalization but typically um, why men can often react very badly when a woman says that they don't want to see them again and they're not interested right what's what's that about because we're talking about ghosting and the fact that if women receive lots of these negative reactions when they're honest about their feelings then they just start opting out of even having that conversation right so phil's point which i loved was when you're dating you're putting your best foot forward you're showing the best mm-hmm. version of yourself you're showing the you know shiny polished version of yourself If somebody doesn't like that then that is pretty wounding because that's like the best you've got to put on the table so it's not even like they've seen you sort of warts and all and decided you're not for them like you've literally shown them the best possible version and they still rejected you which is like super painful and hurtful whereas i think if you are willing to present a more authentic version of yourself then maybe it's slightly less but but isn't that part of
0: the issue like like right, so like I would say like that shiny, like you said, the perfect that shiny, perfect, you know, best foot forward is inauthentic. Yeah, right. Exactly. So right, so so in that sense, when you do that, I think some people, um, and, and I do think women are slightly better at spelling that than men, uh, right, not to be too binary about this, but of course of course I reject that. I it's not true. I, I, I can smell it's not true. So mm-hmm. right, so so right, while you may be the more pain because you thought like oh if they don't like this version of me then how could they possibly love the other version of me but it's isn't it ironic i think it's the other way around Right? So, like no if you came yeah. with your vulnerability there's probably a lot more connection there yeah.
1: so we always try and say we say you know what your profile is like a film trailer and that that's people always show the best parts all of the best parts crammed right, into your right. dating profile and then you've got to live up to that you've got to live up to that film you know and you have so many people going you know what you need to big yourself up you need to be the best person you can be and everything and it's like no don't say that you're adventurous and you go love hiking and love climbing (laughs) if you've only been to like a walk when you was in primary school or (laughs) high school or anything like that or don't don't say you're a, a food connoisseur if you've only if you been like to mcdonald's
2: eating, if you like eating fish cakes for time <laughs> yeah i was about to say if you
0: if you prefer fish cakes they're cooking
1: yeah and or you love to travel but yet you you've only been to like um you've only traveled uh, once out of exactly. the country it's or like, something like that. You, you went about,
0: to london once yes
1: <laughs>
2: yeah but it's about you know this idea of you know telling people what what they want to hear and we had a really um we recorded an episode this week which will come out um shortly with a guest who was saying that on her dating profile um she has some photos where she has makeup on and some where she doesn't where she's just finished you know a a marathon or or whatever which obviously shows a different side of her, her personality but her point is if they don't if they're not attracted to me when I've got no makeup on, we're gonna have a problem if we get into a relationship right. because there's, you know, certainly not a person who's gonna wake up half an hour before they do to go and put a full face of, of makeup on before they wake up. So you may as well present the authentic version of yourself because somebody right. will see that at some point.
0: Which is very old school, right? Like it's very old school to write sort of like, oh. right, I think my 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 grandmother, right? I, or whatever. I think like right sort of would never be like she would wake up literally like an hour before, put on for the makeup, go back into bed with in her robe, so that my grandfather would only see her without. I don't think that he ever saw her without makeup.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, and let's let's not get into a, a rant about the the patriarchy and but, the, no, you know, for sure, expectations of women, but it's but it's exactly, and it's a um. I can't think of what the book's called. Something like "Women Don't Owe You Pretty." Um, and well, I just
1: I've I've yes. Just bought
2: it. <laughs> yes fantastic you know this this idea you don't you don't have to be a certain way you don't have to be right. you know continually beautiful and also compliant and helpful right. and the peacekeeper that's it's not a requirement right. to speak and I think that's
0: true for men as well no i mean like right yeah. you don't have to have abs you don't have to right right and that's because so many men like right i have to be at the gym i have to do this i have to be adventurous right so like i think like We've absorbed some of that nonsense.
1: So we've done uh, an episode about TV and how TV shows that. We've got Love Island UK starting on Monday, and I did a reel earlier, just taking taking the Mick out of it because everybody there is like a clone of each other with these abs and you know work done and everything. And young, (laughs) try to be a
0: five foot six Jewish gay man.
2: I don't think you're going to get on
0: the show, Iggy, unfortunately. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm
1: 100% sure that I would not. <laughs> I, I, I mean, my dad bod isn't getting on that show any day, so... <laughs> so
0: well, you're a lot closer than my, than my <laughs> version of this, let's put it that way. But, <sighs> but yeah, and I think... But,
2: but it, um, I think modern culture and social media also has something to answer for that as well. You know, in the Instagram culture where everything is is posed and has a filter, and you know, um, particularly the the media which isn't great at representing right. pictures of how and people if, actually look like. And even if it, if it is a photo of what somebody looks like, it's some scathing headline about how they've let themselves go. Essentially, that I don't think that helps with our, oh, yeah, our I, unrealistic yeah, expectations. Those,
0: those drive me crazy. Those even. Those drive me crazy.
1: Even now, they've got apps that you can make your body thinner. You can change your curves and everything like that. And the problem is, like I say, young impressionable minds are seeing this and going, this is how I need to look. This is how I need to act. And this is how I'm going to make money. And it's not, like I say, just be yourself. Be how you are. Be comfortable in your own skin. All right, if you want to change something slightly or change something, do it. But as long as you're happy, that's that's what counts don't compare yourself to anybody else because you don't need to compare yourself to anyone else and it's it's like i was saying before about failure and a win you set what your wins are you set when mm-hmm. you're going to fail you decide when you're going to admit defeat somebody can tell you you fail but it's not until you admit defeat do you actually fail
0: so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so shifting a little bit to so like i, I got a few more questions like one like in terms of dating um, do you find or or what is your experience with people who are coming from different religions, different backgrounds, right? Dif- rights like we call them rights of like interfaith, interfaith uh, marriages, but rights like Jewish, not Jewish, or, you know, racially mixed marriages, which are far more prevalent in the UK than they are, of course, in, in the US, unfortunately. Um, how do you navigate sort of like, or, or at least your advice navigating around sort of, like distinctly different cultural, religious, spiritual backgrounds when you when it comes to dating.
2: Mm, what an interesting question. Um, so my my background is that I was raised in the Christian church, um, and the guy that I married was also uh, a practicing Christian. Um, and I left uh, the the Christian faith in my early twenties, around the time of my divorce, and um, would now consider myself atheist or agnostic. I think there there's two ways of looking at it there is the element that we were talking about about um, kind of supporting each other's interests and um, identities even when they aren't the same um and so I th- you know I think it would be very difficult to have a, an interfaith relationship where one person wasn't very supportive or or at least very tolerant of of that person's religion because religion is something that is so personal and so important to people i think it would be it's much harder than if your partner just isn't interested in tennis um because it's such a fundamental part of of who somebody is Mm -hmm. and i think then there's also the the concept of um whether you feel that you could be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't share the same ideologies or philosophies as you and we see that um not just in terms of faith and religion, but also in terms of, for example, political views. So, you know, could you have a relationship with somebody who had very different political views to what you have? If maybe those views aren't particularly important to you, or you're just happy to to agree to disagree, mm-hmm. right? But if you feel very strongly about those views and they're very much a part of who you are and how you think about the world, it might become quite difficult to, to have a relationship with somebody who has quite different ideas and ideologies. So I think there's something about supportiveness but there's also something about worldview, and i think that faith and spirit, spirituality have such an influence on your worldview that it might be challenging mm-hmm. to be with somebody who doesn't at least share some components of that so there are also maybe um so say for example um somebody's a practicing a buddhist um mm-hmm. they might you know if they got together with somebody who who fundamentally agrees with the underpinning principles of Buddhism that maybe has a better chance of success from somebody who who really doesn't share those views and principles on a fundamental level.
1: Yeah, and with the, I mean, the interracial side of things, um, I, you know, it, you love who you love, and the melanin in your skin does not make that person any different to you you still believe the same you're still born you still die so yeah i i don't see i don't think that i've ever seen a problem with interracial relationships so. but
2: if, i did like your your the element of your question about um culture because i think culture yeah. has such an influence on the way that people behave and it's very easy to assume that people um have the same life experiences and the same um understanding of of behavior and how how people go about things and somebody from a quite different cultural background might behave in a way that's quite different from you or behave in a way that actually that you find a bit peculiar um and i think it's about potentially coming to it from a place of curiosity and openness Mm -hmm. and interest and trying to understand that person's um behavior and viewpoint and um where that behavior has come from in terms of their their influences um and it, and this is true not not just from different cultures but maybe people who have a different socioeconomic background or a different educational background um but i think the the key element of anything succeeding is coming to it with from a place of curiosity and interest mm-hmm. and being willing to unpick okay well what What out of this is to do with your culture? What out of this is to do with just your, you know, your personality Mm -hmm. and being willing to unpick that, but also recognising where maybe something, there isn't a compatibility. You know, if somebody, (laughs) if, uh, um, for example, people with some cultural backgrounds are maybe quite um, demonstrative and very overt in their affections and their interest and will really overtly chase somebody if they're interested. I mean, that's my worst nightmare, I oh, couldn't cope. Right.
0: So never date, I guess. Never date an Israeli or an Italian, right? <laughs> like, right. Exactly.
2: I cannot deal with being romanced overtly, um, right, right. and so there and is. That's a joke,
0: everybody. Don't come at me. It's a joke. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I know there's other things. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. There's this issue with, of of um, openness, but also something about compatibility.
0: I mean, the reason I'm, I'm saying this is because I think that, right? That we we've talked a lot about the self, right? But but we all are part of units. Right? We're part of families. We're part mm-hmm. of 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 friend groups, right? Like you said, whether it's socioeconomic economic, or, or racial. And then, yes, I may I may say, oh, I love who I love, but 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 then I have to have that relationship within the world, right? Yeah. And 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 that I think is is yet another layer to do this. And and I guess part of the, the, the question for that for me would, would have was that sort of like, okay, thinking about this, then um, do you think how early in the I think I think the dating or right? And, and 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 you're right, this is about friendships as well, whatever, but like how early do you be like, hey, you know, I support so and so, right? Or right, LGBTQI rights are important to me, or I'm you know I'm Catholic or whatever it is. Before we'll call it like emotional investment, before there's like a physical investment, right? So like, because right, we're, we're constantly in this in this straddling of, uh, right. So like, not being too aggressive about who we are, but also not being too right passive about who we are, and and that kind of dance could be really, I think, tricky, right? For because because how do you know when you say to somebody, hey, by the way, you know, I. I go to church every Sunday or, you know, I I support Trump or whatever it is.
1: Um, I think, like, it's, it's about your values, isn't it? And your core values and right. finding somebody with those same core values as you. Um, it's quite easy sometimes to bring it up in conversation, you know, um, ask the question of, like, um, how do you feel about this? And see what their reaction is. Instead of opening up and going, I go to church every Sunday, devout Catholic and everything like that. And then, then possibly going. Uh, yeah. And it would be...
2: come up, you know, in a, what you're doing at the weekend. Yeah. On
0: Sunday,
2: <laughs> yeah. So you so can kind can of find naturalistic yeah. ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, but some people might be like, oh, well, I just, you know, I, I go, I have, I have my group on Sundays. Right. So like, cause they think some people are afraid, you know, I, I, I think, what you're saying about values is really important again. So like in the work that we do with our clients, right. We have even on our website, there's a value clarification exercise, right. Knowing what your values are incredibly important, right. Because that can, I won't say ensure compatibility, but at least will allow you to sort of move forward. But, but I think a lot of people um, are afraid to stake, uh, put a line in the sand, right. I think a lot of people are afraid to say like, Hey, I'm a, so and so I do this, I do that because they want to be like, oh, I'm open and I'm, you know, <laughs> and I'm flexible and like, you know, and and it's a it's a partnership and we'll talk about it rather than be like, no, this is what I want. Yeah. Right. And I think there's again, there's a song and dance there.
2: Yeah. And I think it also comes back to the the um, idea that we have to be liked and appreciated by everybody and that you have to be mm-hmm. everybody's cup of tea. And we had right. a, a guest on the series very early who said, actually, he he likes to kind of polarise people because he wants the people that that like him to really like him and he's not interested in the people who who aren't going to like him and there will always be people who aren't going to get you or aren't going to like you and that's okay and I think being all right that being okay enables you to put it on the table of of who you are because it you're you're almost it's almost an information gathering exercise, isn't it? Is this my person? Is this not my person? Is this person kind of part of my part of my group, part of my tribe, either in a romantic way or otherwise, or are they not? And that fact-finding exercise means that you aren't auditioning for people to like you. You're actually trying to find out information about them and whether mm. they're a good good fit for you. And I also think in a way, things like social media have helped a little bit with this. So for example, if you follow me on Instagram, you would know that I'm quite active in in LGBTQ plus um, advocacy like, I share a lot of that kind of content is something that is really um, important for me and and as somebody who follows me you would get that about me and we don't we've never had a conversation about it but you would kind of understand that about me by the content that I that I share and I think that that is one of the redeeming features of social media is you can kind of get to know a bit about somebody in somebody's mindset by the stuff that they share and the stuff that they engage with and how, how they communicate values. And I had recently a um, a friend come out to me as trans and the reason that they felt able to speak to me about being mm-hmm. trans was because I had shared, not knowing any, anything at all that, that, that they felt that way, that I had shared stuff that, that showed me to be an ally. hmm
1: And with dating apps nowadays, uh, they've got a lot more things on them, like you can put your religion, you can put, uh, there's a section with things uh, that you like doing uh, or things that you support now, so it has grown a long way from the day of what's your age, what's What's your uh, gender? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, so it does say on there, like I say, the religion, uh, your supports, and people uh, put quite a few things in their bios as well. But right. it, it's like you're saying with social media that that shows a lot of who you are, and whilst sometimes Instagram isn't reality you can mm-hmm. tend to get a gist of how people are and what what their supports are and what they what they like basically so
0: so, y- yeah. so would you would say that probably a, a good piece of advice would be to be like to um kind of instagram stalk somebody like a social media stalk somebody before your date or no um, we we
1: chucked it in the bin <laughs> i had to delete a lot of followers um um now we we have said that like do a check, uh search a name in Google or something like that. If their Instagram's right. open, have a look, but don't follow. Don't like any yeah. stories, nothing like that. So I think
2: as a as a security check it makes sense to. Not but it. I would usually prefer my first impression of somebody to be reasonably, you know, what what they present to reasonably me. Blind. Yeah, well, exactly. Um but I do think that as You know if you are progressing something if maybe you go on a couple of dates and you're and you're in the process of getting to know each other and you're both on board with the project of getting to know each other it can be quite a useful source of information as long as it's one of a number of sources of information and you're triangulating all the pieces of information together rather than using it as your only source of information
0: right do you think there is
1: a one Um, we've had this conversation. I think there is more than one one. I think there is a group of people out there because let's face it, there's 7.8 billion people on this planet. If there was only one, your likelihood of meeting that one is zero. So I think there's a group of people out there that you share uh, values with, you are very compatible with. And uh, when you meet them, it's like, yeah, this is my person kind of thing. Um, but I don't believe in there's just one. I don't believe in the whole, the one, like Netflix said, or Soulmates or anything like that, where there's only one, because it'd be impossible to find them at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think that there are many people who you have good compatibility with, you have good chemistry with, you find attractive. Um, and, and I also feel like I'm not sure... That I sus- Ugh, is going to be maybe controversial. <laughs> I'm not sure that I subscribe to the idea of relationship permanence—that there is one person who you're mm. going to live your whole life with. Mm. Because mm-hmm. people change so much mm-hmm. during the course mm-hmm. of their life. Like who I am at 35 is completely different to who I was at 25, and I'm sure who I will be at 45 will be different again. And I, I feel like maybe there's a thing where you know we again have been kind of conditioned to this idea that you. Mm that you enter into a relationship you promise to love each other forever and if it doesn't work out it's a failure But I feel like maybe I have a bit more of an episodic approach to relationships where Mm -hmm. I'm like this could be a really great partnership for a period of time and when it stops being a great partnership or when the fit isn't right or when our life aspirations or or values don't align it's okay to say goodbye to that and and move on
1: right no I mean I love that grows, grows with you Sorry, <laughs> I'm taking if, over the question. If,
0: no, but if no, for sure you can. But I think that's I think that's a very, um, I, I would agree with that list, and I think that's true spiritually. Is this, is this true sort of right? And and again, right? So like, definitely in, in in Jewish tradition, we are allowed to get divorced and all that. So it's right. It's a little easier for us. But but I would say that it is a Hollywood myth, right? So that right, you meet somebody at summer camp and you're friends forever, right? Or you meet somebody and you right so that that. Um, much like going on a trip in the Far East, right? You start with with a friend and then you split and then you meet somebody else on the road and you go, right? And then I do think that sort of the more we are able to be aware of our own growth, the more we are able to be aware of somebody else's growth. And yes, Phil, I think if somebody uh, grows with you, yes, there's ways to do that together. But but I, I also believe that sort of marriage, like any relationship, is a daily uh, commitment, Right. You have to commit to that every day, right? To to make sure that sort of you're still yeah, I still want to be here. And and that's a lot stronger than be like, well, I made this promise when I was 18 years old, and well then I I guess I have to keep it. (laughs) Yeah. Because then resentments built and all that, right.
1: Yeah, you should never have to stay in a relationship if you're not happy. Right. You know, and I think this is what what a lot of people. Well, I I learned this, and Blizz, I'm guessing you learned this that you don't stay in a relationship if you're not happy. You don't, right. you know, you can try and mend it if it's a little crack, but don't go putting a plaster over a amputated right. leg. You know, right. <laughs> if if it's if it's completely gone, right. it's like you know what, we'll be happier going our separate ways, and
2: that's that's. And I agree that it's possible to grow together, but it yeah. doesn't always happen. Right. And, and right. also, likewise, two people might grow, but in a way that is not compatible with with one another. Right. And so right. I I sometimes think that the idea of if if you grow, you have to grow together actually stunts one or both partners, yeah. because it's almost this middle ground compromise that doesn't enable either person the the independence right. or flexibility or freedom to, to grow in their own way in case it estranges the other partner.
0: Right. Speaking of going together, have you still not never met? Oh, no, we have. We've met twice Oh, no, you now. have? Okay. Twice. Oh, you've <laughs> been twice. Okay.
2: We have. Yes. When I was
0: talking to Phil a long time ago, right, like you still have not met. It was like, oh, it, we're good. <laughs> it, it took us a while,
1: but we we went for dinner and drinks and to talk about the podcast. And then last uh, Friday, we went to, um, it's called Ghetto Golf. So it's like an indoor crazy golf. Um, yeah. Loud music. You graffiti. And, and then we'll do an like, escape route.
2: <laughs> it was brilliant. It was like nineties R and B music. We were in we were in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Amazing. we have an escape room plan soon. Um so we met up with with Phil's best friend, who's an avid supporter of the podcast and also one of our podcast guests. So we had a really great time. But it was really strange meeting in person. It felt almost like a little um a, a bit like dating, really, because you're like, well, we know each other really well. We've spoken for ages. Is this going to work in person, or is it, or is it not? And right. a, it was really strange to then meet in person and be like, oh, you're taller than I thought, and and sit down to dinner together. It's actually also the closest thing to a date I've had in four and a half months. I was like, I'm, just, I'm sitting opposite a guy at dinner. This is unfamiliar territory these days.
0: Right. right. You should have a T-shirt that says, "This is not a date. We work together." <laughs>
2: <Exactly>. <laughs> work meeting
0: exactly no it's funny i never get that you're taller than i thought. um but like um the uh, what is the worst piece of advice about dating you've ever gotten
1: that there's a rule book that is the worst piece of advice that somebody's told me there's a rule book you've got to go buy it this is what this is you've got to do this you've got to do that because there is no rule book to dating everybody is unique everybody is different and if somebody tells you to do something, it may work for you. It may not. And that's why we always say we're not experts. We're just talking from our experience. So anything that we say is just our opinions, our thoughts. It may not work for you. It might. It might not. So that's that's my worst piece of advice I've ever had.
2: I think mine is, um, I don't know if this is advice per se, but um, you're too picky. And I think this mm. um, gets told maybe particularly to women a lot, particularly as they reach a particular age and the people are worried about their biological clocks. Um, and this this idea that like, well, if you have high standards, you're never going to meet a person. Hmm. Um, and look, I, I agree that having a very specific set of, you know, a list of things that you're looking for that are all non-negotiables, they have to have this type of job and they have to have this time, type of appearance. But I feel like that's maybe not that helpful of an approach. But I do think that fundamentally having standards and preferences is a is a good thing and what often happens is is you have a gut feeling about something and you know instinctively whether something is or isn't right and I think this idea of oh you can't be too picky encourages you to ignore your gut in a way that is Mm. really unhelpful when actually I think that your intuition is one of the strongest things you have going for you and usually senses something is up way before you know it in your in your conscious mind
1: and you mostly get it from friends or family. Oh, you're too picky. Right. When are you going to get married? When are you going to have a right. baby? When are you going to move in together? And it's, it's constant. When are you? When are you? When are you? And It's like we said, there's no end goal. Like Marriage isn't an end goal. Having a baby right. isn't an end goal. They can be like, if you ever played the game of life, Yes. Yeah, where it says, stop, you have to get married. It shouldn't be like right. that. It should be like, that's a path you can take if you want, but you don't right. have to. And too many people set these milestones, as they're right. called, in relationships. And it shouldn't be like that because everybody's different. Everyone has right. different goals, ambitions, or stages they want to be in life. Right.
2: And, and being yeah, single. I mean, yeah being single is not a problem to be fixed it's not Mm -hmm. a temporary state of being that is until you find that you know finish your hunt for a partner being being single is is a perfectly valid life choice and i think that 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 is so important because if if i'm going to be in a relationship with somebody they need to add considerable value to my life because if i'm happy by myself you know and that's not about being picky that's about saying oh well i'm great by myself Right. Do I want to partner up? And, and making that the conscious choice is do I even want partner? Do I even want to invest all that energy into a relationship? Right. Or do I actually, can I build connection and meaningful relationships mm-hmm. and, and beautiful relationships in a non-romantic setting, you know, by investing right. in my friendships, by investing in my relationships right. with my family and, and being, <laughs> by having great, great co-hosts. Um, Thank you. You know, can I, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of the time we pin A lot on the romantic relationship is this idea that our romantic relationship has to be all things to us, but actually investing in those other roles and having a support network of people that offer us different things in our lives also means that the presence or absence of a partner isn't the presence or absence of company and connection and love because I have love from loads of other people.
0: No, a hundred percent. And you know, I've had I have a whole podcast episode about the the different the six words of love, this of the, the Greek use, right? Which is very different from the erotic love to the play to the playfulness and the flirty love. Then there is the family love, and then there's the father's love, and there's the friends' love, and and we can never expect one person to be all of them. We can never expect one person to be all these pieces of life. And we need to have different loves with different people because we are we have complex social lives. And, and, you know, and it's not just that. And, and back to your point, Phil, as well, is that one of the things that I say all the time is that the most toxic sentence in the English language is I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I get mm-hmm. married, I'll be happy when I have a child, I'll be happy when I get the promotion, I'll be happy when I get my first million. Because if you defer your happiness to some other thing, some other person, some other time, and you don't choose happiness now, you will forever never be happy. There's just no chance that you'll ever be happy. And and in that sense, right, like we keep saying, you have to choose your own happiness. Now, happiness is just a feeling, right? It's not a space. It's not a room. You can't own it, right? And like other feelings, it will change. It will move. So uh, 100%. Um, Last thoughts, guys? This has been really fascinating. Last thoughts? last thoughts
1: um what i'm going to probably take away from this episode is what you said about dating and doing something totally different uh yeah. together because i've always thought i've got to do this with someone or i've got to do that with someone because i'm interested in it they're interested right. in it but i i'm really going to take that away with the fact of yeah try something new and see how that goes yeah. yeah
0: i've i always i always found it sort of that sort of because if you show somebody hey i want to show you my i don't know my board game thing and they don't like board games you may feel rejected by your own things right rather yeah. than like oh how did you feel about something else which i think is very important and and again i think right Everybody's like oh my my partner is my best friend like no i have a best friend i've had the same best friends i was six years old i don't need a new one 100
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um yeah i really like to the part of the conversation when we were talking about vulnerability and about being Mm -hmm. willing to be authentic and share our authentic selves and actually that we do ourselves an injustice by presenting a very polished version of ourselves Mm -hmm. because people can see through it it reminds me of that um i can't think what it's called that sense that we have where we can spot if somebody's face is like computer generated like you can tell Mm -hmm. if yeah you can tell something's a robot just by by i can't think it's going to annoy me i can't think what the term is but i, I agree that people can spot inauthenticity mm-hmm. and so while you might think that you're doing yourself a favor actually people will will spot that something's right. off and the best thing right. you can do actually is to present an authentic version of yourself and people right. will like it or they won't
0: and take right. off that And heart. like you said before right exactly and you like you said like right your your, your gut will t- say, tell you something it won't tell you what it is but it will tell you something and then you have to really be able to listen to that um guys, this has been really fascinating. I Thank you for coming on. You know, this has been a fascinating conversation, um, mostly because I think it has to do with our human condition, right? And, our, and our, our our want to connect and our want to be seen and to see others, right? Because at the end of the day, whether you're single or married or want or don't want to date or not date, um, fundamentally, we want to be seen for who we are and appreciated for who we are uh, one way or another. So really, this is another sort of another tool not a step towards it so uh liz phil thank you so much thank you for having us on thank you for virtually transporting uh, us to new york <laughs> absolutely and if you're most welcome if you're ever in new york you know uh we'd love to see you uh thank you everybody who's joined us uh again this is uh tattoos and torah from the Truva center i'm rabbi iggy again thank you to liz and phil uh we will see you next week